Well, good morning. It is so cool to be here, both literally and figuratively, because, you know, young people are always cool. And it's been 96 degrees in Dallas for the last, like, three weeks. So I'm loving it here. You know, the, uh, your administrators, or whoever these, whatever we call, people, people at Emmaus who, who uh, take care of you guys, they must love you because they were, um, they were able to peruse a menu of presentations that I tend to give. They could have selected the one where I talk about blood vessels inside dinosaur bones and how they look fresh and young, deposited by Noah's flood not that long ago, but no. They could have selected the one where I talk about uh, there's no evidence for apes in your ancestry but only Adam, but no. They could have talked a whole menu, and they said for our students, for chapel, we want to talk about human reproduction. (laughs) So, welcome to the best chapel at Emmaus you will ever experience. Woo! Yes. So, so our goal today is to look at human reproduction, um, maybe in a way that you haven't seen before uh, or, or understood before. And, and um, I would say that I'm qualified to speak on this because we had uh, five children within four years. Wow. Because, of tw- because of twins, twins made that possible. Or maybe that makes me unqualified to speak because uh, that's too much too fast. I don't recommend it. But it wasn't until, so I thought I knew about human reproduction, you know, until I had to begin uh, teaching. This is after we had our kids, I began to teach anatomy at the college level. So I taught college anatomy, and I, I was blown away by the intricacy of design that the Lord Jesus built into human reproduction. And so that's our goal this morning. It's really simple. I want to show you, basically, well, I've got it organized into three gauntlets, three, three gauntlets to human reproduction. So a gauntlet is like, um, here we have a, a, a we're, we're, we're in the Navy, and in order to be admitted to the club, you have to run through a crowd of guys who beat you up, and good luck making it through the gauntlet. So this is the, the journey that, um, that has to happen. Sperm and egg, they go through these gauntlets, and we have to go through these processes in order to end up with the next generation. Uh, when I studied that, I saw the intricacy of design, how all these little bitty parts fit together with precision. I thought, wow, I never knew the Lord took care of us and all these details we didn't even know about. So that's our goal. So by the end of this class, I hope that you class... Lecture? No. Chapel. I hope that you have a new reason to praise the Lord. That's basically basically it. So, first gauntlet is his body. And there we have an image of his body, and then you'll see what we get to next. First gauntlet, his body. And here are the major players in the scene. We have sperm cell on the left, uh, diagrammed, and then egg cell. Actually, the egg cell you can see is surrounded by little um, cells, um, um, follicular cells. And they form the corona radiata. You know what would be fun? It would help me if we all just said, like, said some of these terms out loud. So how about uh, we'll start with corona radiata. Okay, I got the front seven rows are good. Back row. I'm going to bring you guys in. 
Now, in the sperm, oh, look at that sperm. He's got the head, he's got the engines, and he's got this long tail. So that's a flagellum. So it, it, it flips like this, and it's an outboard motor. Okay, he's got an outboard motor. And then he has at the, at the front of his head, he's got this thing called an acrosome. Say that. Acrosome. So the acrosome, you have to have an acrosome or you don't get the next generation. Did you know that? Because the acrosome is this little, um, it's this little pocket that has special enzymes that we need in order to get through the corona radiata. Otherwise, the sperm can get up to the corona radiata, bump into those cells and go, okay, I can't fertilize the egg because you guys are in the way. Ah, lo and behold, acrosome is here. Acrosome dumps its enzymes that dissolve the space between the cells that make up the corona radiata. So that's what we're, that's what we're but look at that guy. I mean, you go from a blob-shaped cell and you uh, develop this and you start, you start exporting your outboard motor parts, uh, tail first, of course, and then you build the outboard motor engine with lots of mitochondria. You know, you've heard that in sixth grade, the, the powerhouses of the cell. Well, this lean, mean swimming machine needs lots of those. There's the sperm with his acrosome ready to rock and roll. But how do you get there? Well, it turns out there's an intricate display, an intricate set, a network of processes. So in the testis, we have lots of little tiny tubes. They're tiny, so we call them tubules instead of just tubes. And now what we're going to do, like the diagram shows, is we're going to take a cross section and... Um, so, so that means here's the tube, you, you chop it like this, and then you look, you turn it 90 degrees and then look inside the tube to see what's happening. So biologists do this, and we can look inside um, and see what's going on. So that's, I don't know, do I have a, a laser zoom? Okay, so here's the, here's the micro, sorry, here's the tubule. So... You guys were excited at first, and now you're like, quiet. <laughs> you're like, uh-oh, he's really talking about human reproduction. Okay, so uh, let's just say, say it together, seminiferous tubule. Seminiferous. seminiferous. Uh, why? Because we have to make these lean, mean swimming machines. Mm. Oh, there. Uh, and so, so you start with a cell here, and it's going to migrate toward the center of the tubule. And as it migrates, it's going to, it's going to grow from a blob-shaped cell into a lean, mean swimming machine. But it can't do that without nurse cells. Nurse cells, um, you, can see, you can see some of those, like here's one here. The nurse cell extends from the wall to the, to the lumen, L-U-M-E-N. That's the empty space in the middle. From the wall, but the nucleus is 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 kind of exposed. So the, these are all nuclei. This is where the DNA is. So you have to. But here's the thing: you have to have nurse cells to secrete antibullarian substance. Say that. When the little boy is in mommy's womb, okay. If you don't have nurse cells in the little boy, secreting antibullarian substance, then little boy parts are going to turn into little girl parts. So we want to have little boy parts. Yeah. What kind of students do we have here at Emmaus? I've got my doubts and questions now. All right, so you've got to have nurse cells. You've got to secrete anti-mullerian substance. You also have to have a brain in order to make the next generation. Do you know that the, the human body is all totally interconnected? 
So we have, say, pituitary. pituitary. Yep, so the pituitary gland, it's got to secrete a specific hormone. And then when that hormone reaches the, say, hypothalamus, again without the back row. Okay, in a minute, I'm going to just call on the back row only. I want to hear it from the back, too. Yeah, so, well, here, here are some of these, some of these um, hormones. So, so pituitary secretes gonadotropin-releasing hormone. Okay, who cares? What's that? You know what that is? It's a chemical key. When that hormone lands onto the cells that are in the hypothalamus, those cells receive GRH, gonadotropin-releasing hormone. They receive it like a key. They have a lock that God designed and placed into the cell membrane. Key comes in, doesn't really turn, but it enters the lock. And that tells that hypothalamus, that hypothalamus takes that GRH as a cue to start manufacturing its own different hormone called follicle-stimulating hormone, FSH. At the same time, gonadotropin-releasing hormone released by which gland? Hey, I have five students who are paying attention. A students. Yes. Those, that same GRH is received as a key by little locks that are on the uh, cells, the nurse cells that we just looked at, okay, in the seminiferous tubules. And so and what do those nurse cells do? They receive that as a signal to begin manufacturing their own little enzyme called testosterone. Did you know that testosterone is my favorite hormone? It makes the world go round. <laughs> testosterone, yes. It makes guys aggressive so that we can aggressively defend our lovely ladies. Yeah. <laughs> so in, uh, in, in hypothalamus, FSH is released. And, and FSH is also in our bloodstream. And when that hormone is received in uh, um, Nurse cells, nurse cells release another hormone called androgen binding hormone. And you have to have that hormone or you don't get a sperm. And you don't get the next generation. You have to have every single one of these chemical messengers intact, in place, and the little factories inside the cells that are in your brain and in these other cells in order to do what? You have to concentrate testosterone. That's right. We have a concoction there in the testes testosterone, concentrate, and that is what tells these little cells to go from a spermatid all the way to a de develop into a sperm. In this process called spermatogenesis happening there in, in the seminiferous tubules. Well, the nurse cells also provide nutrition. And of course, there's the testosterone concentrate. What a fantastic soup the Lord has designed there. Blood testis barrier, oh, did you know you have to have this also? Not only do you have to have all these hormones released in just the right amount and balance, just the right time to land in just the right places, and you have to have just the right locks to receive those hormone keys. Every piece, every, every um, molecule has to be constructed with just the right 3D shape and just the right electromagnetic um, balances in there. Talk about that some other time. But once you have a sperm, you now have a cell in the guy's body that is of a different DNA. It's a different DNA. So it's going to be perceived as possibly an invader. So if you don't have protection, his own immune system, cells of his immune system, are going to get in there and go, you're not one of us. You have different DNA. 
attack. So in order to keep that from happening, you've heard of the blood-brain barrier, right? No? We need more anatomy at this in Bible college. <laughs> blood-brain barrier, yeah. And so we have one of, but we have a blood-testis barrier too, and there it is. You can see uh, on, on, on the bottom of this slide there, um, I don't know why I'm pointing down here. Uh, how about up there? You can see uh, red blood cells. These are the, our erythrocytes. So that's a, this has happened to, the, the microtome happened to, to slice right through where a blood vessel was, revealing this. And so in between, here's the blood, and then here's the uh, seminiferous tubule, and here in this bloodstream you have what? All the cells of the immune system, ready to climb in here and attack. But that's why we have these epithelial cells right here. That's your blood testis barrier in order to keep the, your own immune cells out so that they don't attack yourself in the right place. Okay, so God provided that. So his body has all the equipment needed to manufacture these lean, mean swimming machines, and, uh, but they're still not ready. They're still not ready because it turns out that if you take if you take that sperm, it's matured sperm, but it's still, it has an acrosomal cap on it that keeps the DNA inside the sperm. And so you can't get the next generation without, without getting through that acrosome uh, and the acrosomal cap. Well, the next barrier to reproduction has to do with her body. Isn't this fun? This is like, not like any, many chapels. Uh, <laughs> let's make it more chapel-like, how about that? Let's everyone read, uh, pull out your Bibles. I mean, it's Bible time, right? <laughs> so Romans chapter 1. And I would like someone on the back row, because you guys are back there, gals, and you, you, your voice could project over the backs of our heads. So if I can get an orator to read Romans chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Someone, raise your hand if you'd like to read it, and you're in the back row, maybe in the central area here. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yes, way to go. Romans 1, 20 uh, through 21. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were dark. Thank you, amen. Good job. Um, so, clearly seen. What's clearly seen? His attributes. He's loving. He's taking care of us. He's personal. He's genius. He's outside the universe. He's the kind of guy who can put together and craft this kind of intimately constructed system. And so, it's clearly seen. And all we're doing today is making it even more clear so that you have no doubt for the rest of your lives <laughs> after experiencing this <laughs> that, wow, no more of this nonsense about natural processes morphed you know, fish into humans. And that's what I used to believe before I started studying the evidence for creation. Um, um, and I used to believe my textbook said, biology textbook, it said, you are a fish, whether you like it or not. And it's like, it's indoctrination, you know. But after I studied things like this, features that are so well-crafted, I thought, nature couldn't do this. Natural processes don't build and construct 
um, interdependent systems where this part depends on that part and that part depends on this part. And unless you have both parts perfectly connected, you don't get anything to work at all. That's what we have here. So let's look and continue at her body and look at what's clearly seen by everyone in the world and has been clearly seen since, since, um, since billions of years after the Big Bang? No, since the creation. That's what we just read. Since the creation of the world, we have people who are clearly seeing the evidence of, of God and his divine attributes. Well, her body presents these um, situations, but we have to orient ourselves to the womb. So here's the womb. We've got a uterus. So say uterus. Okay. Do you see the uterine tube? Say it and see it. Some of you are just like, I don't even see it and I can't even say it. <laughs> Come on now. Uterine tube. And then, of course, everyone knows ovary. Um, oh, look at that little catcher's mitt on the far, uh, on the far right. So, so this is the position and the orientation of, uh, of the basic elements of the, of the womb. Um, and, uh, but what happens is inside that ovary, that's where we have the egg factory. So we're making eggs. Actually, we're making follicles. So you have an egg cell, but it's surrounded by that corona radiata, which is supporting cells. Together, that's a follicle. So what's going to happen is that egg cell um, matures, and it sort of migrates through the ovary, and then it exits the ovary right where that little catcher's mitt can catch it. So once a month, the catcher's mitt sort of bends over, grabs the end of the ovary, and as the, the follicle exits the ovary, um, right, I think there's more people on this side. I'll, I'll start zapping over here. Follicle comes out right here, catcher's mitt bends around, and these fingers are called fimbriae, and they're gonna wrap themselves around the ovary, and the follicle is gonna enter this tube and start migrating this way toward the womb proper. So they're gonna go up the uterine tube, but you know, the follicle doesn't have an outboard motor like Mr. Sperm does. So follicles like at the mercy of whatever how do we get the follicle to move around? Cilia. Cilia. Everyone show me your cilia. Yeah. So if I were to take, or if you did this, you know, you could be bigger cilia. If I were to take a beach ball and like, like we got to get this beach ball up the hill, I would toss it to you and you guys would just bounce the beach ball up, 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 up to the womb. So the beach ball... So the, so, so the cells that, that, that line the inner lining of the uterine tube have cilia, and there's little tiny microscopic extensions of the cell that wave the uh, follicle in the direction it needs to go. So at some point, um, the mature follicle, the mature follicle is going to enter uterine tube and start being pushed this way, and the hope is that the sperm cell is going to go this way, and then they're going to meet. They're going to meet romantically. <laughs> I love you. You're the one I've been waiting for. All right, so this is uh, a friend of mine had, had the doctors looking for... Um, cancer, and this is her womb. You can see the white, there's the ovary there, the white. And then that's the, you can see the, the tubule, the uterine tube there. Yeah, they're looking for cancer and not finding any, but you get a glimpse at the womb there. Yeah, they're noodling around in her abdomen, so isn't this awesome? 
And then there's some yellow fatty tissue. And so she said, oh yeah, you can have the video. It's totally fine, I don't care. <laughs> so that just gives you, I mean, these are real things that the Lord Jesus created, so we might as well take, take a look at them. Okay, here's the gauntlet that her, that her body presents. Every day we have the following, the following gauntlets. Acid, uh-oh, the sperm are gonna encounter acid. And by the way, acid kills a lot of sperm. Uh, thick mucus plug, good luck getting through that, fellas. Um, and then there's flushing rhythmic contractions to keep the womb clean. So we're flushing rhythmic contractions to keep the womb clean. This is, this is most of the time, um, every, every day, normal day. Sit the immune system, because we don't want bacteria. If bacteria crawl up into the womb, that's going to make problems. And so we have to have immune system to attack those invading cells. Well, wait a minute. What if the sperm get up in there and the, Im and the immune system goes, you're an invader. Attack. Well, then you have no chance at getting the next generation to happen, okay? So, once a month, it changes. Once a month, it changes. For a couple days, from what I've heard. <laughs> seminal fluid neutralizes that. Well, that's not once a month, but that's what happens. So, seminal fluid, so the seminal fluid accompanies the sperm. So, you, you have to have the right, um, the right chemicals and hormones uh, in the seminal fluid, or you don't get the next generation. And the seminal fluid has uh, the, just the right like, um, solvent for the mucus plug so that the sperm can get through the mucus plug. But once a month, those, check this out, the, the rhythmic flushing contractions, they reverse direction. And for once a month, she says, okay, you can come on in. And there's a local suppression of the immune system. So that your, ladies, your immune system works on all your other tissues and everywhere else in your body, except the immune system suspends its, uh, its activity just in the womb for just those uh, several days a month. So that makes reproduction possible. You've got to have all this. So here's the thing. Her, her problems that she presents, and she does present some problems, I uh, <laughs> can tell you. She throws acid at you guys. She throws... Uh, a current flow the wrong way. She's, she's putting up plugs and so you can't get through. And then there's the whole starvation problem. I mean, you got an outboard motor, these things take gasoline. And so how are you gonna, how is Captain Sperm gonna power his way all the way to the uterine tube? Um, it turns out that um, he, provides, he provides the nutrients in the seminal fluid so that, so that um, there's vitamin C in there, it's concentrated in there, so that the, the, the uh, sperm can absorb that and continue moving on. He, uh, the Lord Jesus provided plug solvent, and then, so he's, get this, well anyway, current flow, he's got the outboard motor, she provides acid, oh, seminal fluid has buffer, acid buffer, well that's perfect, that's exactly what we needed. So the Lord Jesus has solutions in his body to the problems that her body presents. Do you see what I'm getting at? It's like, the only way to get this is if you have one designer who knows intimately the anatomy, physiology, biochemistry of both of these bodies and can fit them together, providing the solutions over there for the problems over here. Now that is an awesome creator. We ought to just give him praise and credit. Well, one more a gauntlet that we have to get through. Egg fortress. Dun, dun, dun. We finally meet. It's romance. It's love at first sight. I've seen you. 
from a distance, and now I see you up close. So, but we got, we got an acrosome. Now is the time when we need to spill the contents of that acrosome to dissolve through, well, there's lots of barriers. Um, and then here we are, the sperm. And it turns out that the acrosome, um, it has to, um, it has to get dissolved. Like, you know, that, remember the acid that was a problem? Well, just enough acid is a solution because we need to, we need to etch away at this acrosomal head because it's got a thick cap on it. We need, to, we need to thin that cap, thin that cap, so that by the time, the timing has to be perfect, by the time the sperm reaches the egg, the cap is gone, and the, and the contents of that acrosome will spill out right when the sperm meets the egg, so that the contents can dissolve the fortress that is egg fortress, dissolve the walls and get in there. So how does that happen? Well, it turns out that the womb itself, her body, provides just the right chemistry to etch through that acrosomal cap. Are you getting me? Are you, are you picking up what I'm putting down? Some of you are not responsive. So, <laughs> well, take it from the anatomy textbook. As sperm swim through the cervical uh, mucus, uterus, and uterine tubes, the womb, the sperm undergo a gradual capacitation. That means getting ready to spill the acrosomal enzymes. This is a pretty elaborate mechanism, say the authors of this textbook, for preventing the spilling of acrosomal enzymes. But consider the alternative. Oh, yes, let's. <laughs> if sperm had fragile acrosomal membranes, instead of that tough cap, while still within the male reproductive tract, they could rupture prematurely, causing some degree of autolysis, which means self-digestion. And I'm telling you, every time I read this, I'm cringing. <laughs> I mean, ouch. He'd be dissolving ourselves, guys. Aha. But God didn't make it that way. He made it to where it's a thick cap, so, and then her body dissolves that uh, acrosomal cap so that he can spill those hydrolytic enzymes and get through the jelly coat. See the jelly coat? wrapped around the egg. Now this is after we've wiggled our way through the corona radiata and those cells. Now we reach this jelly coat. Oh great, we've come all this way. We've survived acid bath. We've, we've, we've drilled through the plug. You know, we've come all this way and, fi and finally I'm here and there's a wall? You kidding me? But you know what? The Lord Jesus equipped these sperm with acrosomal enzymes to dissolve the, the wall. It's, um, and, then, and then we finally get to this little... Um, this little, why do I keep doing that? The, the vitiline layer right here, the vitiline layer. And um, I don't know if it's labeled here, but this, see this? This represents an enzyme, and then he has the key that latches onto that enzyme. So in other words, he has, he has a key, she has a lock, and they fit. And as soon as one key goes into one of the locks, the egg has locks wrapped all around it. Just one. There's a cascade. There's a there's a immediate reaction on the inside, just behind in the in the vitiline space. Immediately expands, poof, to push away all the other competitors, because you know there's a lot of guys trying to get in here. And if you didn't have that, you wouldn't have reproduction. So boom, this is what happens. So going from left to right, attach. 
click, pow, and all these little um, va vacuoles release their granules, which, which expand the perivitelline space and make this big old space, this big old gap. Okay, so, so uh, boy, does he present some problems. But she has the solutions already built in. She, uh, he's got to get that acrosome's fuse lit so he can blast through egg fortress. And she's got the enzymes to do it. Uh, she's got the perivitelline space. Oh, there's also an electrochemical shock. So if there's a sperm that's like getting through, gets into the perivitelline space, but there's another sperm that's already fertilized the egg, then that sperm gets shocked. Other sperm that are still in the, the jelly coat of the egg, they get the egg, the jelly coat gets hardened, so they get solidified, and they don't they can't they can't mess up the works. So we need to have um, we need to have the chromosomes to line up. And this is all an elaborate mechanism that the Lord Jesus put in place so that we would know for sure that it was him who gets the credit. It's him and not natural processes. Um, so so here's mommy. We finally have a um, baby growing in the womb. And, um, we, and then the baby takes over. So baby's body is growing inside her. And what does baby's body do? Uh, sends signals to, to, the, um, to the mother. Hormones to maintain pregnancy. Otherwise, her body would flush the baby out. Uh, the little baby says, um, hey, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. Stop your uh, monthly cycle. I'm pregnant. So baby says that to mom. Uh, increases blood. Baby says, I need more blood. So mom's body says, okay, I'll do it. Uh, baby says, uh, increase your metabolism. You know, it's like they, I've heard it compared to the energy spent climbing Mount Everest, is the energy spent um, building a baby. Uh, primes the uterus for delivery. So when it's time to be delivered, the baby says, okay, I'm ready to come out. And mom's body responds. It's the baby uh, that's in there that says, um, hey, secrete some relaxin because I need your actual bones of your hip to separate when I come out because I need some space to get out of here. And so relaxin is the name of the hormone, and baby secretes that. And baby says, hey, I'm going to need some food. And so her body, her body becomes like a food factory, which is for a different, for, for a human inside of a human. I mean, it's just fantastic. And so we praise the Lord. That, uh, that the Lord did this, um, and we're out of time, but um, this is, uh, just consider this. This is uh, uh, images that scans that some scientists took of a developing baby in the mother's womb of just the head, just the face, and so we're seeing um, during development, they scan and then they came back and scanned and they compiled and comp uh, all these different scans so we could see for sure that uh, you knit me together in my mother's womb. And so let's do this this morning. I praise you for I was fearfully and wonderfully made. Let's do that and pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you that you have provided all the things that we need to make the next generation. And that reminds us that you take care of every intimate detail. Forgive us for the times when we said, oh yeah, natural processes could have done, done it. Maybe I came from apes and evolution and natural processes. No, no, no. We came from you and you alone. And you deserve the credit. You deserve the praise from our lips because you're the one who made us. We praise you even more today than we did before we came in here for your provision and your loving kindness shown in so many ways. In Jesus' name we give you